Hey guys and gals, Grimy and Derek here. It's the season of giving, and before we get into tonight's episode, we'd like to remind you quickly, if you're into our show, give us a rating, wherever you're listening to us from. And subscribe on your preferred listening platform to be the first to hear our newest episodes. And while you're scrolling on your phone, be sure to check out our socials, at Leftover Pizza Podcast on Instagram and TikTok, Leftover Pizza Club on Twitter, and the Leftover Pizza Club group on Facebook. We also have a YouTube channel, Leftover Pizza Club, there. Also, if you want even more content, you can check out our nostalgic articles, junk food reviews, and... Even visit our merch shop, where we periodically release limited drops, and that's at leftoverpizzaclub.com. And with that, we hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. To our official 2022 Thanksgiving show. We are back with eight more Thanksgiving things we are thankful for. And I'm not going to lie, I'm really, really, really surprised that we managed to find enough to do a second show. I almost had too many picks. And before we go any further, I just want to say I love the alliteration that you had going at the beginning of that uh, that sentence there. I, I don't know what words mean, alliteration. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of T's in a row, that's oh, what yeah, it yeah. means. yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I, I carefully thought this this opening out, and uh, I hope it came across as good as I, it sounded in my mind. Yeah, no, it was pretty good. If it was me, I would have just said, gobble, gobble, motherfuckers. Gobble, gobble. So, last year, we had some weird sandwich from Friends, uh, some Black Friday ads, and I think at one point, we talked about cheese boards for, like, a really long time. A really long time. And we didn't talk about InSync for a long enough time, I think. So, the first half of this show is dedicated to InSync, I watched all of their music videos the other <laughs> night. That's that's not even a lie. I that's what I did the other night. I sat down after work and I watched all of InSync's music videos. Hey man, some people will put on candles. Other people will just watch all of InSync's music videos. We all have something yes. that gets us in that uh, that vibe, I guess. That's right. Yep. I just cracked open a cold one of JT's noodle hair, and I said, "That's it." <laughs> Uh, noodle hair JT is probably the best JT. (laughs) But anyhow, shall we get into this? We shall. And in the spirit of giving, I'm giving you a gift of me going first. How's that? I like it. Steve Martin and John Candy just met. Flintstones, meet the Flintstones. They have nothing in common. Except the next 72 hours. Stick with me. Do you feel this vehicle is safe for highway travel? Yes, I do. Steve Martin. Where's your other hand? John Candy. Between two pillows. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Those aren't pillows. Ah! (laughs) All right, Grimy. My first pick of the evening for this Thanksgiving show is a movie that I only saw for the first time a few years ago, and I'm kind of mad that I only saw it for the first time a few years ago. I'm, of course, talking about 
the John Hughes classic Planes, Trains, and Automobiles starring John Candy and Steve Martin. I know you, like me, hadn't seen it for, well, even uh, an even longer time because you're older than I am. Did you finally sit down and watch this one at my request for like the last three years telling you to check this out or? It only took me 33 years, baby, but we did it. We're uh, here. We're here. We oh, got yeah. it in. <laughs> yeah, I wow. watched it. I did. I'm so proud of you. This is great. This is excellent. So now we can actually talk about it on the show and it's not just a one-sided conversation. <laughs> How about it? How about it? Yeah, I am notorious for not watching movies and not seeing movies that I probably should have saw before. So uh, we're going to try to change that. That's my, Maybe that'll be my New Year's resolution. Watch TV shows and movies that people tell me to. And Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. What a great film. I loved it. Isn't it? All right. So the first thing that I want to get out of the way here, because I watched it again, obviously, the other night, and it hit me this year more than any other time that I've watched it, how this is just such a great companion piece to Home Alone, because it's okay. It's the inverse of Home Alone, right? Home Alone, everybody else is away, and he's by himself in his house. In this case, Steve Martin is by himself while everybody else is at home. Right. And the tying factor here is that it's the same house in Planes, Trains as it is in Home Alone. Same house. And also John Candy is saving the day. Right. That is true. And we get great music scenes in both Home Alone and in Planes, Trains. I was going a different direction with it, actually. I was going the direction of how this would complement Dutch really good, since they're both films of two dudes trying to get home on Thanksgiving. Right? (laughs) Well, guess what? What what, what happened? I've only seen like half of Dutch. That's all right. I forgive you. I forgive you. All right. But wait, but wait, I'm being dead serious. Mm-hmm. I have it on order from DVD Netflix. It will be here oh, in the next couple cool. of days because I'm such a loser that I still do DVD Netflix. That's because all right. I can't find Dutch anywhere to stream and uh, I don't care. I'm going to be an old man about this. So maybe by next Thanksgiving, we'll be talking about how planes, trains and Dutch and Home Alone are a companion piece because I'll actually have done my research on Dutch. Full circle, full circle. So, (laughs) planes, trains, and automobiles. I can't wait to hear what you enjoy about this film. Oh my God, well, what isn't there to enjoy about this film? I mean, John Candy, he's just like electric in this movie. He He, is. It might be be my favorite John Candy role. And I've done a lot of uh, digging, a lot of soul searching about this, and I think... He's just absolutely perfect in this movie. He is John Candy at his best. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is the most John Candiest John Candy film there is. Exactly. He's just playing, like, such a lovable yet annoying, good-hearted guy throughout this whole thing that Mm -hmm. at certain points, I mean, Steve Martin is great, and Steve Martin has always been great at playing sort of a smug asshole. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's sometimes not even playing smug at certain parts of this movie. He's just playing the Straight asshole. up asshole. Oh, yeah. Just perfectly. asshole. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's doing it super well. But uh, John Candy in this movie, if you guys haven't seen it, is a traveling shower curtain ring salesman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and named Del Griffith. 
And uh, Steve Martin, I believe he's uh, working for a big marketing firm. And he does a lot of traveling back and forth is what I gather. He was in New yeah. York City, right, I think, and trying to travel back to Chicago. Chicago, yep. Where his, his home base is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, the long and short of it is that these two kind of become an unlikely pair when their plane gets grounded and they have to make their way back home for the Thanksgiving holiday. So right. it does have that very loose Thanksgiving angle. I say loose because honestly, I think this works just as well as a Christmas movie as it does oh, yeah, as absolutely. a Thanksgiving movie. If it didn't say Thanksgiving in like the description, you wouldn't think it was Thanksgiving. You would just assume that it was a Christmas movie. But yeah, it works great for both. Yeah, it does work great for both. And I'm glad that it is a Thanksgiving movie because we don't have too many of those. We We've don't. only got a handful. Mm-hmm. We don't have a lot of Thanksgiving things in general. So I have one issue with this film and one issue only. I feel like the film was kind of like obvious and predictable in certain ways. Don't fight me. I'm just I'm just speaking my piece. I'm being honest. Okay. Okay. I don't want to ruin it for anyone. Uh, obviously, I just watched it for the first time yesterday. But the part about uh, John or Dell's wife... I just knew it from the very beginning when he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I haven't been home in years. And he starts talking about his wife and gets all quiet. And he's like, oh, yeah, I got a nice wife to grow up with and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, we know. We already know. So there's that. Well, I have to say, you're smarter than me because I did not piece it together until the very end of the movie. (laughs) Uh, but I'm also an idiot, so that sort of tracks. <laughs> well, see, I'm an idiot too, so it, it's it's completely invalid argument there. You should have seen it. <laughs> I should have. <laughs> uh, this is, you know, it's obviously it's kind of a comedy, but it has its serious quips here. And there's that one part that, like, really kind of, I don't know, I I, I love it, but at the same time, I hate the way they did it. The part where they're in the the hotel and Steve Martin finally loses his shit and he's like, you know, fuck this, I'm done. And he's just really laying into John Candy like something fierce. And like it cuts back to uh, John Candy at least 17 times with like teary eyes. 17 times exactly, I'm telling you. It cuts back to him. I'm like, oh, this is going to be the punchline. No, it's not. He's going to lay into him again. Okay, this one's done. This is going to be the punchline. No. Again, he just lays into him again. I'm just like, damn, this fucking dude is going to want to kill himself at the end of all of what he's saying. And I was just like, they could have probably dulled that down a little bit. (laughs) And then they finish it off with, well, I like me. Yeah. (laughs) And it's the most inspiring movie scene of all time, probably. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It's like, it's almost like animated how like crazy the characters get. That's a great way to put it. It is it is sort of animated because they're really playing up huge caricatures of yeah. of what those people would be in real life. John Candy being like the nice caring widow mm-hmm. and and Steve Martin being the, you know, kind of yuppie dickhead. Yeah. And uh yeah, they kind of take it to the extremes. Mm-hmm. I, I I see what you're saying. Um uh, that being said, you know, this movie's got a plot. It ends up, you know, they get back to his house safe and Del Griffith has a friend and a family to presumably visit for years and years to come. But uh, it's really just about 
single scenes in this movie and just really playing up just like great comedy scenes. They work off of each other so well. And even when they're not in the same scenes together, uh, like with the fucking car scene, for instance. Oh, man, I forgot about that one. Yeah, perfect. I want a fucking car, four wheels and a fucking seat, a fucking Datsun, a fucking... And yeah. he just goes on and on forever. Even when they're not in the same scene, it's so good. Do you think that this is where Fred Durst got his idea for the fuck song? <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I think just a lot of poor decisions and Florida living is where Fred Durst got his idea listen, for the fuck song. Listen, he does it all for the nookie, so. He does. Uh, so that scene is amazing. Uh, the do the mess around scene where John Candy is driving while Steve Martin is asleep at night and it oh, ends yeah. up where they almost die in a car crash. <laughs> the lead up to that is amazing. Just him oh, jamming yeah. by himself to some Ray Charles in a car. Gotta love that. Uh, there's a little Kevin Bacon cameo at the very beginning oh, yeah, of the movie. Yeah. Did you catch that? I did, yeah, right away. I was like, oh, okay, well, is he going to be a main character or what? And totally isn't. I love that they brought Kevin Bacon in it for literally, like, no reason whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> he just had, like, one day free, and he owed yeah. John Hughes a favor. And he's like, okay, all right, I'll be back. Right, I'll do it. All right, you can put my name in the film. Just whatever. <laughs> Leave me alone after this. But the thing that I'm going to end on here for Planes, Trains, and you can hopefully back me up here. My favorite scene in this movie, I lose my shit every time I see it, is when John and Steve are waiting for a ride to get them a few miles out of town so they can hop on a train. And the guy that Dell calls sends his son, Owen. Now, I am going to hop back a holiday here. Did you end up watching Trick or Treat yet? Yeah, I've watched Trick or Treat quite a few times. You have? Yeah. Okay, so did you notice who Owen is? No, I didn't. Owen is the actor who plays the principal in Trick or Treat, who ends up being the fake vampire who is killed by the werewolf. No shit. Wow. Yeah. Damn. Same guy. So Owen is a very hickish person, (laughs) I'll say. And I, every time he's, he chews up that scenery, he is the highlight of that movie for me. <laughs> he's just like, he's like snorting while oh he's God. talking to him. Just like. Yeah. Oh yeah. Every time he like stops and pauses and is just looking at me, he's just. I'm like, oh my God. This guy, I'm not even going to lie to you. Like there are at least 2000 of him within like a mile radius of me. No joke. <laughs> You've got your own Owens around there? Oh, Jesus. It's a fucking factory of Owens over here. It really, like, they're just mass producing Owens over here. Now, do you think all of your Owens have a wife who's as short and skinny, but as strong as his wife? Not short and skinny, but as strong, yes. (laughs) Her baby come out sideways and she didn't scream or nothing. (laughs) Get your lazy ass out of that truck. My first pick also comes from a film, and that would be Adam's Family Values. You've watched this one, right? 
Right? <laughs> All right. So there's got to be some unwritten rule in the universe <laughs> that if if you haven't seen something, I have. And if I haven't seen something, then you have. Because I have never seen the Adams Family values. Oh, man, <laughs> you're missing out. So the first one's really, really great. I say this a lot about sequels. Somehow they managed to make this sequel as good or better than the first one. That doesn't happen very often. And that's always what I've been told. I mean, I've seen the original one a million times. And I think it's because I never had the DVD as a kid of Adam's Family Values. Okay. I only had the first. So I watched the first a shit ton throughout my life. And I've actually seen both the animated sequels Mm. or, or reboot and sequel, I should say. But yeah, this is a blind spot for me, man. So in Adam's Family Values, the nanny, Wednesday and Pugsley, she wants them gone. The nanny wants them gone because she's like trying to manipulate Fester. Fester, he's the man of the house. Basically, he has all the money underneath his name. So she's manipulating him. She's like a, a, a serial killer or whatever. And she's the Black Widow. She kills all of her husbands and she takes all their money and lives off of it. Rinse, repeat. So she tells Morticia and Gomez that the kids were talking to her and they wanted to go to this camp, which obviously would never happen. Why would they want to go to a fucking summer camp? So naturally, the kids hate it. Uh, They kind of like rebel against the camp counselors and the camp members. And they even try to like break out and they eventually give in, pretend give in, I guess, and take up a role in this camp play and this play happens to be the first thanksgiving so wednesday she takes up the role of pocahontas and pugsley is just this random turkey who doesn't really mean anything to the plot or anything to this play and the scene kind of starts out with pugsley playing this turkey and he's like there's a song and everything and he's yelling eat me in between all the verses and it's really, really hysterical. I know you watched at least the clip to that. I did. And I just want to quickly say, is there a more perfect role for Pugsley? No. Just <laughs> doing something, but not really integral to anything? No, not at all. Like, that's the perfect role for Pugsley. There's, like, not any speaking roles, and the ones that there are are very simple and uh, to the point, I guess, and funny. Yeah. So. Yeah. Pugsley's just there most of the time, you know? Yeah. And then, like, at the end of this song... I think the only line he has in this play is, I am a turkey. Kill me. (laughs) So good. Hell, even I could do that. The play goes off without a hitch until the very end. Wednesday is talking to the, uh, basically the blonde Barbie doll of the, the camp who is playing the opposite role, the head pilgrim or whatever you want to call her. And she stops and she says, wait a minute, we can't break bread with you. And she goes on and on about how uh, basically how it you know history went. Yeah, so I watched the clip, and it's basically uh, Wednesday saying all of the atrocities that have been committed against the Native American people, and rightfully so. That's putting it softly. Yeah, uh, they start attacking the crowd, and the other camp members, and the camp counselors, and before you know it, the counselors are tied up to uh, a spit, so they're like rotating around like they're roasting pigs, and it's just a really, really funny scene, and it's a must-watch during the holidays. Sure, absolutely, and I want to just take a quick moment and uh, yell at YouTube channels for a second, because, (laughs) okay, I told you I have never seen it, so... Right before we hopped on this, I had decided that I was going to head over to YouTube and I was going to watch this scene because I had, I think I've seen like bits and pieces and I definitely listened to the audio that you pulled 
for last year's Thanksgiving episode. So I knew that. And uh, I thought it was odd that it was so short. I clicked on this one from Movie Clips, this scene. And they start the scene right when Wednesday is saying that she is going to scalp the pilgrims. And they make it seem, the way that they cut it, in such a way that they're basically just being these savages and just portraying them in such a poor light. And I was like, wow, this movie's really fucked up. Like, they could never get away with this today, and they shouldn't try to get away with it today. And then I backed out, and I was like, hmm, wasn't there supposed to be singing in that scene? (laughs) So... I went to another channel, News Guy Greg, thank you, Greg, who uploaded the full version of the scene where it starts with the song that you're talking about, and it gives context. It gives that full monologue about how the pilgrims were so terrible to the Native Americans, and I was like, holy shit, yeah. this all changes when you yeah. get that perspective. So fuck you, movie clips on YouTube with your 1.9 million views. You're painting Native Americans in this whole movie scene in a very, very bad light, and shame on you. Listen, maybe he took inspiration from uh, Blair Witch Project 2, where the witch swaps the tape footage. <laughs> oh, that's it. Yeah, confirmed. Uh, not so true fact of the day, movie clips loves Blair Witch 2. We got him. Not so true fact of the day. <laughs> Soufflés, and as everyone knows, the heart of the good souffle is egg white, beaten egg white. And I'm going to do mine in copper. I beat it faster than the machine. Well, we're going to see if you're faster than the machine. All right. Go. Okay. Wow. One, yes. two, three, go. <laughs> it's not very tender. Grammy, do you like to cook? And perhaps eat Thanksgiving meals. Is that Kermit the Frog? or mm, No, it's the one and only Julia Child. <laughs> because I have oh. to admit, she's my next pick for this Thanksgiving episode. <laughs> I love it. I love how we now we have two, not one, but two really, really spot on impressions. Between my Roseanne and your Julia Child. <laughs> <laughs> my next pick, I, I feel like it's natural to watch cooking shows. Like, I watch cooking shows all the time. Oh, same. same. But they hit a little bit different around Thanksgiving time. Uh, they can be a little bit more comforting around Thanksgiving time. And one for me that's always been particularly comforting is... Jacques and Julia cooking at home. This was a PBS show. It aired starting in 1999. And believe it or not, they actually shot the whole thing, from my understanding, in Julia Child's actual kitchen, her home kitchen. Hmm. How about that? Uh, believe it or not, I, I, I frequently watch a lot of like Food Network and cooking shows and channels and stuff like that. And I'm constantly looking up cooking stuff on YouTube. I've never watched an episode of fucking, what the fuck is it called? <laughs> Jacques and Julia cooking Jacques, at home. Jacques and Jill, Julia Golia. <laughs> well, let me tell you why you should be watching Jacques right. and Julia cooking at home. Now, I'm going to start it off here. I must have mentioned it on the show before, but I'll mention it again just to refresh everybody's memory. Growing up, I did not have cable, so... 
no streaming obviously that never that didn't exist right uh if you wanted to watch food network or any of these shows you had to have a cable package oh yeah cable dish you name it we had none of that so as a kid who was interested in cooking and loved watching cooking shows all i would get were saturday afternoons on pbs my local pbs channel Hmm. i would get uh different shows like Simply Ming, where it was a a, a Boston-based chef, uh, and at Ming Tsai. Or I would get America's Test Kitchen. I really did like America's Test Kitchen. That one was pretty entertaining, too. What year were you watching these? <laughs> well, I, this show <laughs> debuted in 1999, and I have to admit, I, I probably was watching it around that time. I was pretty young when I was watching these shows. Well, I was just going to say, you know, 1999, you were saying Saturday afternoon, so you went from watching Pepper ran then flipped it to pbs in the afternoon and went to fucking julia gulia i did i I hopped right into julia gulia i I was super (laughs) into it i don't know and and that's what i i have to say is that i I know that i had a unique experience where i sort of grew up with these pbs cooking shows but there's something about pbs cooking shows in general that to me are sort of they're more comforting than a Food yeah. Network show. Yeah, you're right. Because PBS is like the educational channel, which is kind of ironic because I don't think I learned nearly as much watching the PBS cooking shows as I did from the early Food Network shows. I definitely learned more from Food Network shows than the PBS, but uh, the PBS shows have this quality about them where it's it's – the equivalent of being in a library, almost. Oh, yeah. Either that or it's like watching an episode of Bob Ross, but like with food. You know, it's got that like homey touch to it. Yeah, this like very soothing quality about yeah. it. Yep. And uh, yeah, and that's what I was going to say. So Jacques and Julia starring Jacques Pepin, who is still alive, by the way, and uh, Julia Child, who at the time was 87 years old when they were recording this show. <laughs> She was quite up there. I don't know why that's funny, but it really is. It's amazing because she's not doing much cooking at all. Did I'll tell you that right now. 87? 87. <laughs> why? Like, 87. What? what is she doing on this food channel? Hanging out. So I found out that her and Jacques Pepin were quite uh, quite good friends. So I really think it was more about them hanging out and spending time together than it was about making an actual like educational or a good cooking show. Because I'm telling you right now, you watch this show and you can watch the episode attentively from beginning to end and still have no idea how the fuck they cooked what they cooked. <laughs> because they're doing everything on the fly. He's got one way of cooking. She's got another way of cooking. In the middle of something, she'll be saying, I'm going to do it this way. And he'll go, actually, I think you should do a little bit more of this. And then just like throws 10 ingredients in, doesn't tell the camera or the audience what he's doing. And then you just see the dish get pulled together and he goes, isn't that beautiful? And then like, <laughs> like the segment ends and you're like, I don't know how we got to this end. It does look pretty tasty, but I learned nothing. So, yes, right. in the same sense of Bob Ross, although you you definitely learned a bit more about art oh, yeah. from Bob yeah, Ross absolutely. than you yeah. are learning about cooking from mm-hmm. this show. Uh, and now I know I've been rambling for a long time. So I'll finish it off with this. Check it out. <laughs> really? <laughs> You you would really like it, I think. Uh, it's a great comforting thing to pop on at this time of year. 
And uh, if you're like me and we're lucky enough to get one of these Thanksgiving celebration candles from over at Bath and Body Works that's scented like mashed potatoes, homemade gravy and sage stuffing, you can light that fucker up. Pour yourself a glass of wine and watch a few episodes of this and you're in a good mood, man. You could also close your eyes and just throw on the Muppets and listen to a Kermit the Frog zine. A plus. (laughs) (laughs) No difference. No No difference. No difference. (laughs) When it comes to the holidays, everyone has their favorite roast. Traditionalists uh, probably go for turkey or goose. Hipsters might choose a heritage possum. Vegetarians, free-range tofu, I guess. Um, The Who's in Whoville, of course, just stick with the classic roast beast. For me, there can be only one, the standing beef rib roast, often misidentified as prime rib. Sure, some standing rib roasts are prime grade, but few are. Mine, for instance, I'm pretty sure is choice. So for my next pick, I am also going with a famous food TV guy. (laughs) Yeah? He's a, he's Let's a just food call him TV a chef. guy. Chef? Yeah, he's a food chef. TV guy. A food personality, perhaps? But he's a food personality. That's I love it. And that is none other than Alton Brown from the Food Network. Oh, uh, he's my king. My my god. He's an awesome dude. Um, you're pretty familiar with him. I'm really, really happy that you're familiar with him. I feel like everybody needs to become familiar with him. He's such a cool dude. So anyways... Like Derek, around this time of the year where we're starting to get into the holiday season, I also like to brush up on any kind of cooking, I guess. Like, I'll go on YouTube and I'll throw on a couple of videos or whatever. Alton Brown is one that I'm always going back to. I usually cook my family's Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner here at my house. I have a little thing here. When the big days start drawing near... There's one video in particular on YouTube right now that you can all go and look up. It's just a strand of, there's like five or six different Alton Brown recipes. They're all his his best of Thanksgiving, it's called. Like I said, it's got five or six different things. Recipes including potatoes, cranberry sauce, green bean casserole, pumpkin pie, gravy, and of course a roasted turkey. So basically everything you need for the basic bare bones Thanksgiving dinner, minus the stuffing, unfortunately. I wish that he had a stuffing recipe out there. I'm sure he does, but it's not included in this strand of videos. There's so much to say about this guy. He's not just a cook, you know. He knows everything about the food. He talks about all the little details. He knows the history, the origins, the science. I guess most people would compare him to, like, Bill Nye the Science Guy. He is the Bill Nye the Science Guy of food. Absolutely. Specifically Good Eats. I mean, he's done a lot of things outside of Good Eats as well. But Mm -hmm. Good Eats is, like, ugh. If Jock and Julia cooking at home is, like, a feel-good, I-don't-know-what-the-fuck-they-just-did show, Good Eats is the Bill Nye Mythbusters counterpart to that, where it's, Equally as entertaining, but you are learning everything that there is to learn about why food is the way that it is. Oh, yeah. How to Mm -hmm. cook that food. And it's entertaining in the in the sense that, man, he does anything and everything with his production value. Right down to puppets for yeast, like where they're burping and farting all over the screen. It's amazing. It's like the first time I watched Blue's Clues when I was a kid. I was totally fucking just zoned into everything this guy was doing. Like damn dude you cook the fuck out of that real nice like great job i love it it's just so good uh and it, it also helps that everything he does is kind of quirky kind of goofy and funny like you said with the puppets most of his stuff's very very humorous but like 
and I don't want to say dry humor. It's slightly dry. It's kind of like he just brushes over it really quickly. And I mean, it's it just, I don't want to say shock value either, but like, it's a nice mixture of both. You wouldn't expect him to say some of the stuff he does. Yeah, he has that attitude of your high school teacher, the cool high school teacher, who didn't give a fuck about seeming proper or professional. Yes, yep, totally. Where he was just like, I don't, you know, he would swear in class. He like Alton Brown is like the equivalent of the teacher who swears in class when a when a student is totally. talking back. He's like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't give a shit. And you're like, wow, did that guy just say the word shit? This yeah. guy's cool. I'm listening. Yeah, Not that Alton swears, but if he could, he would. I'm convinced of that. All around cool dude, I assume. Oh hell yeah! So Good Eats is a great, great show to throw on at this time of year. Great pairing with my uh, my pick for Absolutely. a cooking show. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing that's often overlooked at Thanksgiving time is breakfast. Oh yeah, because uh, I feel like breakfast is as important to the day as the dinner that you're going to have. You know, like I love to start my Thanksgiving off with something really good, like very hearty, uh, and then sit down, watch the parade. And as I'm watching the parade, like I mentioned last year, flip through all the Black Friday ads, right? So my recommendation is actually hop on YouTube and look up Alton Brown's Good Eats French Toast Recipe. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's the only way that I'll make French toast now. And every time I make it, I end up somehow giving it to somebody new Mm -hmm. who's never had the French toast done that way before. And everybody's like, that's better than restaurant French toast. Like that might be the (laughs) best French toast I've ever had. It's a it's a little bit of extra effort because you have to start prepping it the night before. But holy shit, his French toast is unbelievable. Oh, yeah. All of his food is. Seriously. Like, I'm going to just describe in quick detail his mashed potato recipe really fast. And it Hit starts me. out, he's probably five pounds of mashed potato or potatoes. You know, they're boiling or whatever. He lets them soak for 30 minutes first. Starts boiling. Two tablespoons of salt right in. Then, while that's going on, he has a quart of heavy cream sitting in a saucepan And he smashes six cloves of garlic and he poaches them in the heavy cream. Then he mashes all the potatoes up. He throws that saucepan right in with the potatoes. And while he's he's describing, he's like, now I know it looks like we've just made mashed potato soup. But, and then he picks up this like, I think he said six ounces of Parmesan cheese. He says, we're going to put this cheese in there and everything's going to come together. And boy... Those look like the meanest fucking potatoes I've ever seen. And those are the potatoes that I will be having at my Thanksgiving dinner this year. <laughs> and every year, I assume. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah I'm, I know it's going to go <laughs> on without a hitch. So, like, why not? And see, this is what we're talking about. This is the glory of watching this. It's like you learn something a little bit new, something you might not have thought to do before, or something you have been doing your whole life and... It might just be tweaked just a tiny bit different, you know. It's just a really fun way to get in the holiday spirit. Absolutely. And I always find that I sort of get a similar feeling watching cooking shows around this time of year as I used to when I was a kid watching my grandparents or my parents cook Mm -hmm. when I was too young to be able to do that. So it also has that little nice uh, nostalgic quality to it, too. So, again, if you want to watch this, uh, check it out on YouTube. I think it is simply called Alton's Top Thanksgiving Recipes. Uh, It's a really, really short video, but it's very informative. I think you'll like it. Blix players don't pump iron. They have it for breakfast. 
Deadly long-range passing, linebackers without conscience, and the biggest, baddest, most brutal players to ever walk the earth. NFL Blitz. Martez, chew your food. No refs, no rules, no mercy. All right, so, unfortunately, Thanksgiving and football go together like chocolate and peanut butter. Hey, when you're right, you're right. Now, I know you're not a super big sports guy, and I'm not a super big sports guy, Grammy, but what I have found, the older that I get, is that I kind of do like sports, but only when I'm playing them in video game form. Okay. Yeah, see, that's a whole other different ball game, if you will. (laughs) Uh, No, I totally agree. Like, I used to play... um, what the fuck is that called? Uh, Mutant League Football. Do you remember Mutant League Football? I do. Actually, they came out w- with a remake of one not super long ago for the newer consoles. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't a big fan, but I gave it a whirl nonetheless. Right. But even even stuff like NBA Jam, stuff like that, that, it's just so much funner than watching the sport, I guess, being played. Absolutely. Once you're actually in it and experiencing it and making the calls yourself, mm. you forget about all of the bullshit of when you're sitting there watching a team play a game that you have no involvement in. Right. 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 It's up to you to get that ball across the field. <clears throat> <laughs> the the sports goal line. <laughs> <laughs> I just like to point out that you're more of a fucking sports fan than you care to admit. Because between this and our arcade show where you had nothing but sports games picked, you're a fucking you're a closet sports fan. Maybe, maybe I am, <laughs> but don't start bogging me down with stats and players on teams and trade deals. I don't yeah. give a shit about that, okay? I just want to play the game, man. Like I want to pop on a game of <laughs> NHL and just get some goals, hit some slap shots on my own, you know? That yeah. that's what I want. Perfect. So, all of this big long lead up just to say I really like NFL Blitz 2000, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck, it's so funny. It's a, it's a great game, NFL Blitz 2000. <laughs> it's, it's real fun. So I take it you've never played an NFL Blitz game before, Grimy? No, I never did. Uh, we actually had one for uh, the Dreamcast. We had it for the Dreamcast. And I to this day, it's probably sitting somewhere still in the plastic wrapping, not opened at all. I, I've never played it. I just I, I oh, couldn't be man. bothered with it. Oh, see, you're missing out because I understand why you might be a little averse to it. But this is not like any other sports game that you've ever played. Okay, okay. like even NBA Jam plays by basketball rules more or less, right? You're yeah. still playing basketball in the traditional way. Sometimes you just happen to jump 20 feet higher than a normal human being could before you dunk the ball, right? Sure. NFL Blitz is a special beast. Uh, There's just a lot of extra hits and tackles and kicks and punches that you can't get away with in any other version of the game. Uh, It moves super, super fast. And it also does a similar thing to what NBA Jam does, where your team can get on fire. And when you chuck that ball down the field for a Hail Mary pass, it leaves a trail of flames behind it. Now I, I'm kind of remembering everything about this game. And it like felt really typical. I know it came out on like other uh, 
consoles and not just the Dreamcast, but it felt like a very typical Dreamcast game where they like really played up on the cartooniism, I guess. Like they they did the uh, Ready to Rumble boxing, and it oh, was yeah. very very similar. I mean, it had cell shading graphics and stuff, so obviously that kind of was different. But like even just the cover of the game is very very nostalgic to me. It's very uh, of its time. It fits. I mean, I'm I'm really glad you picked this one. Well, like I said, you know, I feel like I'm doing a disservice to the holiday in a weird, strange way by not at least bringing up football in some form or another. So if we need to talk about it and we need to recommend football in some flavor, it might as well be this. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I had it for the N64. I've played the PS1 version. It's okay. I haven't tried the Dreamcast version. I'd love to, but I don't have a Dreamcast. Uh, The N64, for my money, is probably one of the best versions of any sports game on the console. Uh, I've tried Madden games on N64. It's absolute hot garbage. Don't try it. Don't go back to it. You don't want to do that to yourself. You're better than that. <laughs> That's the one um, everyone seems to be up about, though, is Madden. I'm just like, oh, I can't be bothered to play this shit. Uh, it's just so slow. But like right. I said, NFL Blitz is not slow. And, man, the soundtrack on this game, it absolutely pumps you up. Like, every song in this, it's all instrumental. But it's just, like, so of its time. Just, like, mm. late 90s. And, uh, oh man, it just really, it, it'll bring you right back. You just feel like you're sort of raving at some shitty little bar uh, as you, awesome. as you knock guys down on the field, rip them down by their face mask, uh, stomp on them, you know, whatever you got to do. <laughs> so it isn't at all like crazy taxi where they just stole like three or four offspring songs and that's just all that plays the whole time. Oof, it's not, but you know, that, that could only enhance the experience. I'll say, uh, <laughs> So, yeah, if you're going to pick up uh, uh, an NFL game this holiday season, make it NFL Blitz 2000. And 2000 specifically. Don't go any further back because they have a different NFL Blitz game on N64, and it's just not as good as this one. Hello there, little boy. We're looking for a starving African child who was accidentally sent here instead of a Taco sports watch. Here's your sports watch, son. Sorry for the mix-up. Alright, Derek, my next pick, and I'm sure you're pretty familiar with this one, is an episode of South Park, season one, episode eight to be exact, simply entitled Starvin' Marvin. I am very familiar with this episode. (laughs) Very, very familiar with this episode. I love it. I love South Park, and I love South Park around this time of year. Oh, dude, me too. And in fact, I have a little story to go along with that. Um, This was one of the first ones I ever saw, and that was back, oh man, years and years ago. It was years, a couple years after the show aired, and uh, they were all coming out on VHS tapes. So I rented whatever tape this one was on and the uh, Hanky the Christmas Poos hits tape. Oh, yeah. So I got the best of both worlds, Thanksgiving and Christmas. 
Um, yeah, two re- holidays in one go. Good, totally good, good picks. And it was it was around Christmas time too. It was like right in between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Uh, I went to that place where I got all my tapes that I have here right now. That I actually own the copy that I rented years and years ago. So extra kudos there. Um, I rented it there, and we weren't actually allowed to rent them because we were under eighteen years old. But the dude there, you know, he was pretty cool. Slipped him an extra dollar or two, and he was like, "Here you go, bro." It's all you. Enjoy. <laughs> I was like, fuck yeah, I'm finally watching South Park. I never watched it. I've always watched like The Simpsons and other other cartoons like that. And I just never got to watch South Park. Finally got to. And this is what I started with. This episode starts out with the boys. They're watching uh, the Terrence and Philip Thanksgiving special. And a commercial comes across. It's a charity commercial with <laughs> a very uh, interesting version of... Uh, Sally, Sally Struthers. Sally Struthers, yes. <laughs> oh, to sponsor a poor kid, and in this case, an Ethiopian, and you get a Taco Sports Watch in return. So the kids are all amped up. They want the Taco Sports Watch. They call immediately, and they ask if the Taco Sports Watch will be there right away, and they said, yeah, it will be. What comes instead of a sports watch? An Ethiopian child, which they dubbed Starvin' Marvin. <laughs> oh man it's you know i watched uh, uh a lot of interviews not too long ago with <laughs> matt and trey and it, it's one of those things where they're like you know there's so many things that we get away with that nobody else can get away oh with. my god you're and so people right too. S- would throw their arms up in disgust and anger if they heard, for instance, uh, a TV show talking about a starving Ethiopian child called Starve and Marvin. If it was any other show, people would be like, I can't believe it. They'd be boycotting the show. They'd want it kicked off the air. And then all of a sudden, the second, you know, the, the sub headline kicks in from South Park. And everybody's like, oh, well, it's South Park. Who cares? You yeah. know, yeah, <laughs> it's just South fine. Park. This is fine. Anybody else, Twitter, thousands of angry comments, cancel culture, all up in the grill, not South Park. And I, I, I kind of love that about South Park. Like, I'm all for things, you know, going the direction that they are. I love that th- that South Park is untouched. Absolutely. They haven't been neutered. They haven't been watered down. They can just kind of keep getting away with whatever they're getting away with and uh, totally. good for them. So eventually the authorities, they figure out that they messed up and sent the Ethiopian kid, they end up going back and getting the kid, only they accidentally take Cartman back. (laughs) Cartman goes back to Ethiopia, and Starvin' Marvin just kind of hangs out. And it's just kind of this, this is what the, uh, the description says. It's a satirical display of American indifference toward impoverished countries, which is to put it lightly, like, and it really is. So, like, Marvin, he's all, like, surprised and kind of amazed by all the food that just gets tossed around. There's one part, there's Cartman sitting at the table and he's like, here come the appetizers. The appetizers is food that you get to make you more hungry before the meal. And then the food comes out like promptly after that. And he's like, oh, no more room for appetizers. He throws all the appetizers in the garbage behind him. (laughs) So Marvin is just like, what the fuck's going on? And then at the same time, uh, so Cartman's in Ethiopia, so he's learning what it's like to starve, finally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and he kind of, you know, he kind of deserves it. Cartman's a real uh, piece of shit, yeah, dickhead. Right. So, you know, he gets what's coming to him after all this time. 
Mm -hmm. And if that wasn't enough, throughout the entire episode, there's this like really funny subplot involving uh, these mutant turkeys that... What is it? Mad scientist Dr. Mephisto? Am I saying that Dr. right? Dr. Mephisto. Mephisto. Yes, back Dude. when they were actually <laughs> still using him. He was oh, one of my man. favorite characters on that show with I the two believe... assed monkeys. Yeah, I can't believe he's not in it anymore. Like, they don't ever use him anymore. Hey, every now and then he sort of pops up in the background, but he never has these big plots like he used to. Oh, my God. This is just so perfect, too. Like, so Dr. Mephisto, um, he genetically engineered turkeys so that he could give them to the poor for Thanksgiving. Things go kind of the opposite direction. These turkeys go crazy. So he's trying to warn the mayor. He's like, you know, these genetically engineered turkeys, I, you know, I fucked up and they're taking out humans. And instead of taking them serious, they don't. And they just kind of like make fun of them. And the turkeys, the skinniest necks out yeah, of any, yeah. anything they're, that's ever been created. Yeah, they're very iconic. Like, I can remember getting a a poster with Kenny and, like, the turkey surrounding him with the eyeball, like, hanging out. Now, I, when I think of turkeys, like, one of the things that pops up is these specific turkeys. And they're, like, trampling classrooms and they're trampling this one couple that's out in the middle of South Park, just disrupting the shit out of the neighborhood. Dude, I can't believe that you just brought up that Kenny poster with the turkeys Mm -hmm. uh, hanging over him. I'm literally watching that poster on eBay right now. (laughs) Nice. Very nice. Like as of like two days ago, I was like, ooh, look at this vintage poster. (laughs) Between that one and the one with the rats, like, so it's like Mm -hmm. classic. I've seen all those before I ever watched the show and I'm like, haha, that's funny, not knowing what the (laughs) fuck was going on. And when I finally got it, I'm like, yeah, this is, this is gold. So some of the best moments, uh, the school is doing a canned food drive and all the canned food is going to Kenny's family. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Kenny. This is the first episode where Kenny's family is introduced. So like his mom, his dad, and his, I think his brother's there. And they're, they're all, you know, they're all rednecks, really funny rundown white trash basically then uh, another funny scene they pay homage to braveheart towards the end chef has the uh the blue face paint on the one side and the town folk they all assemble and there's like the group of turkeys does the same thing and there's one turkey that has like the blue face paint it's pretty hilarious then the ending i'm a huge sucker for happy endings the ending is just it pulls it together really nicely so eventually the townsfolk they kill all the turkeys off what's his name mephisto he's like well you know what have i done now there's all these dead turkeys and well starving marvin just takes them all back to ethiopia with them And like I said, I'm a sucker for happy endings. And this is just like watching that fucking Hershey Kisses Bells commercial. It just puts a nice warm feeling in your your heart. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, it would if uh, Sally Struthers wasn't being bound and gagged over a fire at the very end. (laughs) We just unlocked the hidden theme between this one and the Adams Family. Yeah, man, something about Thanksgiving and stringing people up to a a pig spit. Absolutely. Um, One quick thing. I'll mention again before we, you know, move on from it, uh, going back to N64, these turkeys played a really, really big role in the South Park N64 game. I I forgot all about that fucking game. It is so difficult to play now once you get used to like a modern controller, but, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's fun enough for what it was and a little terrifying being hunted by turkeys. It is, but always very, very fun to throw piss snowballs at them. Oh, and I... I'm sorry I'm late. Work was murder. 
I picked up a fruitcake. Why, thank you, Mr. Osborne. We're so glad you, you could come. And who is this lovely young lady? Um, MJ, I'd like you to meet my father, Norman Osborne. Dad, this is Mary Jane Watson. Hi. How do you do? I've been looking forward to meeting you. Happy Thanksgiving, sir. Now, where is Peter? He better have remembered that cranberry sauce. All right, Grammy, for my last pick of the evening, it might be a little bit of an unconventional pick, especially when we're talking Thanksgiving, but I think it makes sense, and when I explain why, I think you'll actually end up agreeing with me. I'm hoping so, because, man, I don't... <laughs> when I seen this pick, I was like, really? This is the one? This is it? <laughs> but go, I'm, I'm all for convincing. You go ahead. You do this. All right. So... It's the 2002 Spider-Man film starring Tobey Maguire. And not really the whole movie, though I will make a case in saying that, yes, while the movie was released in May, and I know a lot of us typically associate like big blockbuster movies like this, superhero movies, comic book movies, with the summer months, because that's when we end up heading out to the theaters to see them. Totally. Uh, the DVD and VHS, if you were still buying them at that point, was released in November of 2002. Okay, so the same year that the movie came out in theaters, but I ended up getting this movie for my birthday, which is November 10th, so just right before Thanksgiving, and I'm sure a lot of people ended up getting this movie for Christmas that this year, so maybe other people sort of feel the same way. For me... When I ended up getting the movie, I ended up watching it a ton as soon as I, you know, got it and popped it into the into the DVD player. So I sort of heavily associate this movie with the Thanksgiving season for that reason alone, right? Oh yeah. The movie sure. came out on DVD and I was just watching it a lot around then. So this you said the DVD came out in November 2002. November 2002 and the movie itself released in May 2002 so it's it's actually 20 years old as of this recording oh, right wow. now wow happy birthday wow crazy i know i know but it's kind of crazy to think about but i think it's pretty nice that it came out in november like the tape and the vhs or whatever or the vhs and the dvd just because there is a little uh thanksgiving scene in this film? Exactly. And that's where I was going with this pick, is that there is one official Thanksgiving scene in the movie, and there's one unofficial Thanksgiving scene in the movie. Is there? Do you want me to lead with that? Because I feel like you're most interested by the unofficial Thanksgiving scene. Uh, no, no, no. Let's, we'll do the official first. You can surprise me in the end. All right, so... Either way, the official Thanksgiving scene comes after the unofficial Thanksgiving scene, chronologically in the movie. Okay. But um, I sort of like it because it's not really traditional in the sense of a Thanksgiving scene. I mean, it takes place in New York City. I feel like most Thanksgiving scenes that we see in, in movies are just that picturesque. Oh, yeah. Yep. In some sort of suburb somewhere with mm -hmm. all the fall foliage changing colors and somebody's big house that nobody would ever be able to afford. Yeah, it's either fall foliage or this like classic fucking lifetime Christmas 
setting you know you know that you know what we're talking about you get it absolutely and while it does take place in a very expensive apartment all things considered uh it is still taking place in a new york city apartment so not what most of us think of when we think of this holiday um but what i love about it is just how the whole scene is lit like they took so much care to light the scene in such a warm way where you can see the light coming through the windows and it's like goldeny orange color and it just has that like real warm like thanksgiving feeling about it and i know that's like really a simple way of putting it but that my brain goes exactly there when i see how they've lit this scene you know? Yeah, no, yeah, and that's important too. You can't have like a blue light to it or anything. It has to be nice and warm and cozy. Exactly. So the whole scene is sort of centered around Harry Osborn, who is Peter's best friend, uh, is hosting Thanksgiving at this apartment that his dad pays for. And this is when Harry is going to introduce Norman Osborn to his girlfriend for the very first time, who just so happens to be Spider-Man's love interest, Mary Jane Watson. So Mary Jane is there. Harry's there. Norman shows up. And Aunt May is already there. She's a champ. She's been cooking her turkey all day at this apartment. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they're just all waiting on Peter to show up so they can sit down and start to have this Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, Peter's nowhere to be found. And it gets a little tense because at this point in the movie... We know that Norman is the Green Goblin. We know that Peter is Spider-Man. And the two haven't really figured it out yet. Right. That yeah. they're each other's nemesis. Nemesis. Yeah, nemesis. There's like little context clues here and there. And you could tell that they're like building to this like aha moment. But it's not quite there yet. Exactly. So I just love this idea of, of two enemies sitting down together at the same table Maybe unknowingly that right. this person is this and this person is that. Right. Um, but yeah, so, you know, Norman actually does end up figuring out that Peter is Spider-Man at this dinner. That never really happens because they don't even get a chance to carve into the turkey. Right. Um, but what I love about this scene, two things that I love about the scene, I should say. The first is that when Peter does actually show up to the dinner... He brings a single can of cranberry sauce and they've been holding this whole dinner waiting for him so he could bring this can of shitty cheap ocean spray candy yes, uh, jellied yes. cranberry sauce, which feels really on brand for Peter and for myself. Honestly, like I feel like that's some shit that I'd pull to like <laughs> a half hour late to the dinner and they're waiting on me to bring one unimportant ingredient. <laughs> I don't, no, 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 no. That's not an important. That has to be there. It's a staple. <laughs> Even if no one eats it, it needs to be there. Okay, I eat it. I eat. It. I slurp that stuff up like Jello, and I hate Jello, by the way. Right. But I, I suck it down. And the other thing that I wanted to mention about this scene, and it's very, very subtle. I didn't notice it ever in the twenty years that I've been watching this movie. Until I saw somebody else bring it up. And I just thought it was so genius that I wanted to sort of shed some light on it here. Peter and Norman are wearing each other's colors at this dinner. Oh, I'll have to check back. I didn't notice that. So Norman is wearing a blue dress shirt with a red tie. 
Huh. And Peter is wearing a very light green dress shirt with a mostly purple tie. So I just thought that was super, super, super cool. And somebody was uh, just having a good time on set that day, the costuming department. Like, ooh, I wonder oh, yeah. if anybody will catch this. So, mm-hmm. hey, we might have actually caught it. It just took 20 years. Right. All that aside, scene's really, really great. This is the most fucking depressing scene, I think, ever. So, what, he, like, Spider-Man comes in, and Oz, what's his name, Osborne? Norman Osborne. Osborne, yeah, he's just, like, you know, hanging out. He knows that something's kind of fishy. Spider-Man's not quite there yet. He's, like, looking, they're looking in the room, blood comes down off of the the ceiling, because he's hanging out on the ceiling, hiding around in his Spidey suit, and he's like, well, this is weird goes out notices that he's bleeding fucking norman's just like i'm i'm out of here didn't even cut the turkey yet i'm out i gotta go something came up and he decides to go out uh his son chases after him and he's just letting his son have it telling him that the fucking girl that he's got in there is a useless piece of shit and just wants his money really lays into him then Mary Jane gets up and is like, I'm out. See you, bitches. <laughs> I can't fucking handle this. This is <laughs> yeah. Thanksgiving and I'm not thrilled. So, yeah, I was I was uh, really, really unsure why you picked this one. But I, I get it now. I get it. I get <laughs> well, it. I mean, it kind of goes to shit like a lot of yeah. families. Uh, Thanksgiving days go to shit, you know, for one yeah. reason or another. So I feel like it's mm-hmm. authentic in that way, yeah. too. So there are things I love about the scene, too. Aunt May, for instance, everybody calls her Aunt May. She's not just Peter Parker's Aunt May. She is universally everyone's Aunt May. I love that you bring that up because even Norman Osborn, a multimillionaire head of a big old company, comes and calls her Aunt May as well. Same with Mary Jane. Mary Jane, oh, just waiting for Peter Parker, Aunt May. It was like, wow, that's, she's everyone's Aunt May. And she's cooking the food, which all looks amazing, by the way. It looks like the turkey just came out of uh, out in Brown's fucking kitchen. <laughs> it, looks, <laughs> it really does. It looks beautiful. Everything looks great. Even uh, the sweet potato casserole. Uh, what's his name? Norman, he like dips his finger into it at the beginning there. And I'm like, dude, I feel you. I get it. Like, that fucking, <laughs> I'd it be doing really the good. same thing. Mm-hmm. All around, yeah, it's not as bad as... Uh, no, it's fucking terrible. It's actually really terrible, but like, it fits, man. <laughs> hey, listen, the whole movie, like I said, just sort of ties into my my personal Thanksgiving feelings right. and right. holidays. So I, I guess that's more why I picked it. But this unofficial Thanksgiving scene, let me bring this up really quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a couple scenes before this, uh, I don't know if you remember it, but Spider-Man and the Green Goblin have their first big foray their first big fight down in times square right yeah yeah so this is all taking place at oscorp's annual unity day parade um and the whole thing is that norman ends up wanting to show up as the green goblin to this because he wants to kill his board members because he finds out that they're selling his company without his permission type of a thing right so this unity day parade was actually from what I read, in the original script, supposed to be the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, but Nuh-uh. they ended up changing it for whatever Why reason. the fuck would they do that? Oh, my. This is 2002, right? It was, yeah. Oh, my God. So uh, a lot of really cool balloons came out in 2002, including 
Mr. Monopoly. It's the first time Mr. Monopoly had this cool balloon. Uh, Kermit the Frog, he had a brand new balloon that time. Wow, Mr. Monopoly had to wait like 80 years to get a balloon, that poor guy. So, well, Parker Brothers did quite a few different balloons, but this one here, this is the first year that this particular Mr. Monopoly balloon was used. Same with this uh, Kermit the Frog one. And the Charlie Brown balloon. Unachievable football balloon or something like that. I can't remember. Unobtainable (laughs) football balloon. Yeah, it was the first time that one aired. Um, So they could have had them swooping by all those new balloons and they decided to fuck it up for everyone. And supposedly in this original version of the script, again, I'd love for somebody to confirm this because right now... As far as I can tell, this is all hearsay, but supposedly this same fight was going to take place at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, complete with Thanksgiving Day weather. So I'm I'm thinking high winds, possible snow flurries or a snowstorm. I mean, that just would have been so badass. Hell yeah. Spider-Man would have been a Thanksgiving movie. Like, add that to the Thanksgiving roster? proper... A proper Thanksgiving movie, not just my shoehorned Thanksgiving movie. Man, I'm so mad that they did this, that they did decided to just change it all up. I almost, like, if it wasn't for Macho Man being in it, fucking Bonesaw, I would completely hate this movie now. No, no, <laughs> because you still have the Unity Day Parade, okay? Ugh. Like, it's not Thanksgiving, but it's Thanksgiving, all right? Like, Spider-Man is bouncing off of the same balloons that would have been in that Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade yeah, scene. Yeah, you're right. He's doing the same thing. And I mean, those balloons, man, those are like traditional Macy's balloons that we're seeing him jump off of. Yeah, I suppose I could just pretend. I suppose. You can pretend. And if you want me to take it even a little bit further for you, okay, we didn't get Macy's Day, but we got... Macy Gray, which... <laughs> is she in there singing in the background? Yeah, she's performing. Macy Gray is performing at this parade for whatever reason at this yeah. festival. And uh, they do say it. And when they say it, if you're not paying attention, it sort of does sound like they're starting to say Macy's, Macy's Day. Day. And then you're like, oh, wait, no, it's just Macy Gray. But, you know, yeah. so you got a little tiny, little tiny bit of threads to, to Thanksgiving, maybe strengthening my argument a little bit here. Macy Gray. She kind of sounds like Roseanne, too, doesn't she? She's got that raspy voice to her, right? <laughs> I try to say goodbye, but I joke. Try to walk away, but... Oh, shit, there's Spider-Man. How's my favorite kitty cat today? Better now that you're here, Grandma. Oh, you're looking a little thin. Isn't that grandson of mine feeding you? Grandma, I love you. Don't ever leave us. My, 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 my. What have we here? Looks like something the cat dragged in. <laughs> if you'll pardon the expression, Garfield. Well, I love a challenge, and this sure as heck looks like one. Stand back, Garfield. This is war. Now, the first Thanksgiving... All right, Derek. Get ready to do the mashed potato, do the candied yams, and do the funky turkey, because it's time to jam. <laughs> Oh, my God. You know what else it's time for, Grimey? What's that? Is is to be horny on Maine, as the kids say. What the fuck does that mean? You don't know. That's like, you know... That's like a Twitter term when people are like being being thirsty on their main Twitter instead of on a burner account, you know, when you're just oh, being openly okay. horny. I see. I see. I, I barely put all those words together. It just sounded like <laughs> one jumble of words. 
<laughs> I get it now. I was like, Horning Maine? What the fuck Horning is that? Horning Maine. Horny on Maine. No, guys, guys, it'll all make sense once we start getting into Grimy's pick here. Grimy, what is your pick? So my last pick of the day, night, evening, whatever, is <laughs> Grandma Arbuckle from Garfield's Thanksgiving. Yes. So something I hadn't seen before and ended up watching last night. And I have to say, I don't know why they don't show this over the Peanuts specials, man. I think these are like better than than the Peanuts specials, if I'm being honest with you. Oh, shit. They did you one better and just don't show anything now. <laughs> they don't even show the Peanuts <laughs> yeah. Thanksgiving special anymore. <laughs> they say, like, yeah, fuck you. You get nothing now. So, yeah, Garfield's Thanksgiving is just, oh, it's, it's a masterpiece. And I know a lot of people rant and rave about it now, especially like a lot of the other nostalgia accounts. It's one of the things... If you're an 80s kid or an early 90s kid, like Garfield is huge in our community, I guess. And while I haven't talked about him very often, it's only because I haven't ventured back into that in a long time. I watched this back in like when I was just a little kid in uh, a Catholic school. I was there for one whole year and I remember watching this that year. And for some reason, this and like the Charlie Brown specials all remind me of like the pink soap. Oh my god. I, I, I'm just stunned that you were at Sky Daddy School for a whole year. I was at Sky Daddy School for one. It was preschool though, so it doesn't doesn't really count. Oh. It's more like Okay, all right. Well, all right. I did the same thing. Wow, that's weird. Shared experience. Yeah. Look at that. Learning things about each other. But anyways, uh, back to Grandma Arbuckle. Who is Grandma Arbuckle? If none of you guys know, that is John's grandmother, not Garfield's grandmother. <laughs> In a sense, it's Garfield's grandmother, sort of. Great-grandmother, I guess it would be then, since he's like John's kid. Sure. It's Thanksgiving. Garfield, uh, he sees on the calendar that it's Thanksgiving, and he notices that also before that, that there's a vet visit coming up, and he scratches that off, sees the Thanksgiving note on the next page, and he throws it up to John's face to get his attention. He's like, yeah, you know, it's it's Thanksgiving, so I got to go buy a bunch of food. So he goes, buys food, and to Garfield's surprise, they still hit the, the vet. He didn't realize that was going to happen. They took a different turn. Garfield understands this is not the way home. Where are we going? Well, we're going to the vet to find out that it's not even basically for Garfield. He's just going there to get some from the veterinarian that's there. Uh, I can't even remember what her name is. She's just veterinarian for now. It's Liz. Her is name Liz? is Liz. Uh, it's I, Liz. I don't like it. I'm just going to keep calling her the vet. Okay, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> they go to the vet. They meet up with vet. <laughs> and um, <laughs> they meet up with Liz. He's like kind of wearing her down to get her to come to like Thanksgiving. He's been asking her out for months, it sounds like, and to no avail. Just no no luck with it at all. And finally, he wears her down enough that she agrees to come for Thanksgiving dinner. So he has to cook this big Thanksgiving spread for him and Liz and Odie and Garfield, apparently. And he quickly realizes how hard it is to cook for himself. Obviously, he's, he's you know, a single man, probably doesn't cook a lot of his own food. 
Um, it shows one scene where it's like the turkey. He's like, yeah, you know, it's frozen, but we'll be all right, right? And quickly realizes that that's not the case. You let a frozen turkey thaw out over the course of like four days. Yeah. Uh, two things. This man clearly desperately needs some Alton Brown in his life. He has <laughs> no idea what he's doing in the kitchen. And, and to that point, no idea. He's reading a cookbook and it really, it actually made me laugh out loud. It's, he's trying to figure out how to cook this turkey. And it says, you want to butter up this butter skin. The skin. <laughs> and he ends up going, okay, I'm not sure how it'll help, but whatever the book says. And he ends up buttering his just, own arms. His arms and his face, like out of this nowhere. This guy's a fucking moron. Well, I don't think it's necessarily that he's maybe not just a moron, but he's also high as fuck the entire time. If you haven't noticed, his eyes are like halfway closed the entirety of Garfield. That is true. I bet this guy is more baked than that frozen bird. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well done. So what is he going to do? You know, he can't cook. Garfield suggests that he calls Grandma Arbuckle. He puts like, uh, I think, a hat or something and like a sweater and like a knit blanket or something then finally he just puts grandma's picture right in front of john's fucking nostrils and john gets it finally oh yeah i'll just call grandma arbuckle grandma arbuckle comes over in a flash on her fucking motorcycle you know she goes to town on the food she she's your your typical amazing grandmother at like level nine thousand. grandma nine thousand. oh my grandma, god <laughs> yes grandma nine thousand um she takes the, the frozen turkey and starts – she gets a chainsaw and fucking saws that thing all up. Now, her menu is extensive. We've got – and I most of – like this thing, I've never heard of. Turkey croquettes. You ever heard of turkey croquettes? You ever have that before? Because I never did. I've never had turkey croquettes, but I feel like I've had a croquette of a croquette. maybe a different variety. So anyways, yeah, the menu, certainly extensive. We have turkey croquettes. Sweet potatoes. Now, these sweet potatoes look amazing. Uh, there's like a cup of butter, a cup of brown sugar, and like 17 bags of fucking marshmallows on top. So they look really, really good. They almost look better than Aunt May's, dare I say. We've got cranberry sauce, a pumpkin pie using a homemade recipe, and then there's corn on the cob too. Have you seen this prior to prepping for this show here today i haven't this was my first time and it was a very very enjoyable watch i must say uh, yeah yeah that's all i was gonna say is that there's not a lot of thanksgiving centric things out there but the ones that we do have i feel like they hit really really good and this is among one of my favorites and probably the top of my list and i really feel like grandma arbuckle without her this wouldn't have been near as good as it is no, it wouldn't because it would have been 25 minutes of John <laughs> trying to get it in with the vet. It yeah. was borderline painful, if I'm being honest with you. Oh my it was God, yeah. so, yep. so horny and so gross. And <laughs> I, they did a great job at making you feel for her because you're just like, can you stop? 
You know, yeah, you're just yeah, being yep. disgusting and you're boring. I have to admit he, he yeah, gets yeah. her in a room at one point while grandma Arbuckle is cooking and he's trying to fill time and nothing he's saying is important oh, yeah, or it's... interesting. You know, I want to shove a sh- sock in this guy's mouth. Mm-hmm. You know, he can't cook. He can't speak to the women. Yet he is so bold to invite her over for conversation and dinner. You know, he's a real asshole. Yeah, like the whole entire <laughs> time he's like history lesson. Lesson after history lesson, and I mean, you know, not to badmouth Grandma Arbuckle or anything, but she says as she's leaving to Garfield, you know, basically like, "Hey, you make sure that this goes well, and if that woman doesn't choose my grandson, you know, fuck her, basically." And I'm just like, "Yeah," but, but real life, John's a fucking dud, man. Like, John <laughs> doesn't know how to cook. He's stoned twenty four seven. Granny, grandson is a dud, all right? You're just going to have to face it. Yeah. The great genes didn't get passed down through uh, to, to your kin. Gonna fix dinner for the girl I love. Okay, first- so there you have it. This has been our official Thanksgiving show of 2022, and we really, really hope you had a good time with this. We're all so thankful for all of you who do choose to tune in and listen to us blab on and on and on about how Spider-Man is technically a Thanksgiving movie or how I hate sports, but I play nothing but sports games. You know, it's <laughs> it's people like you who, for whatever reason, hang around uh, even when our friends and family leave us in the dust, you know, two hours prior. So yeah. thanks for that. You're great. You're fantastic. Yes, we definitely appreciate every one of you guys listening. And if you appreciate us, do us a solid. It's the season of giving. Give us a nice rate and a review on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Those little things help us a lot. And we greatly appreciate everything that you might have to say about us. And those five stars are really nice, too. So uh, do us a solid. Do us a solid. Subscribe, too, while you're at it. And while you're also subscribing, check out our socials, like we mentioned at the beginning of the show, at Leftover Pizza Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. You can find us on Twitter at Leftover Pizza Club or join the Leftover Pizza Club. It's a group over on Facebook. We have a lot of great conversations there, and a lot of you have uh, have really interesting, fun, fun things that you share with us all the time. So it's great getting to meet all of you and talk to all of you and get very personal. Oh, yeah, it's an absolute blast. And if that's not enough for you, be sure to check out www.leftoverpizzaclub.com. Everything's popping up over there. We got all kinds of articles and all kinds of fancy shit that you'll probably enjoy if you enjoy this and all the other things we just mentioned. We even have a store on Leftover Pizza Club. Can you believe that? And I just recently made a hat inspired by Christmas Vacation. Says Shitter's Uh Full. It looks like Clark's Chicago Bears hat. So if that interests you, go pick one up before the season's over. Takes about two weeks to make them, and we make them to order. So they're made with love, just for you people. They are really beautiful, too. I can't wait to wear one. Oh, man, solid. And I think you'll like them, too. So just a heads up. But with that, I think we're going to go unbuckle our belts and let our guts hang out. All this turkey do you in? Yeah, all that turkey did me in. And and that uh, Julia Child impression certainly didn't help. (laughs) It took a lot out of me. (laughs) (laughs) Julia Child. Well, yeah. So uh, with that, 
<laughs> I guess if, if it's okay with Julia Childs, with all that, I am grimy. And I am Julia. <laughs> and I am Derek. And you have just listened to the Leftover Pizza Podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Now you want very important. You take the spine out of the turkey, and you crack its ribcage to spatchcock it to get an even sear. <laughs>